Hello, Marvelites who are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 552. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink, Agent of Chaos and Fun and Fake Tattoos. <laughs> what is your, you're showing me your arm. What is that? I have on a fake tattoo and it's one of those ones that develops over a couple of days. Is that a um, thing? But I, fun fact, can't get it off. I... <laughs> I put it on over the weekend. I thought this will be fun, and now it won't go away. So I guess I have a tattoo for like three weeks. <laughs> Great! It actually it looks really cool there. Right. Well, I I am looking for good real estate because, as you know, I want to get another tattoo tattoo redemption for my bad tattoo that I got when I was twenty. Let's go to Brooklyn. Let's go get <gasps> tattoos together. I've been like needing an excuse to go see my artist Dave Wallen at Eight of Swords Tattoo in Brooklyn, and. We always get tacos and goof around, and he's drawn and designed every one of my tattoos, and he's the best. I got to say, you've been having tacos and having fun all week. What have you been doing with the fam? Yeah, well, we went on vacation, drove down to Pennsylvania, met up with some of my wife's family. We've been going to this place called the Nature Inn at Bald Eagle National Park in Pennsylvania. We've gone three years in a row. So when Catherine was one and a half, now she's two and a half. And it's really sweet watching her grow and experience this. And we get to go on a boat around a lake, which was great. They caught fish, catch and release. Just scaring the crap out of fish. Yeah. And I went to a comic shop called Comic Swap in State College, Pennsylvania, which was great. Shout out to James, who was working there. He gave me some great recommendations. I bought a couple books. We walked in and immediately Catherine ran. She like her eyes fixated immediately on a Ms. Marvel book, like a little golden book of Ms. Marvel. And she just ran right to it. She's like, Daddy, I want this. And I was like, yes, you can have that. She loves Ms. Marvel, which is very exciting. I'm so excited that Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel is coming, and Ms. Marvel is just coming to the greater, wider world. And you know, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about so much more, because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever we're excited about. And we got a lot going on this episode. Yeah, this week we've got on some very big guests from Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We're talking Sam Flippin' Raimi, director of the film as well as Danny Elfman the composer of the film also just icons very important to Ryan and I's formative years as people I think I mean come on yeah yeah so very 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 excited for those coming up later on in the show and of course you can still see Marvel Studios Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in theaters right now. Go see it if you have not. There will be some gentle spoilers in these interviews, so you've been warned. Also, if you haven't yet, go over to marvel.com. Check out all the Marvel must-haves. There's so much cool merch for the film. Awesome Funkos, shirts, clothing, all kinds of cool stuff. So definitely go check those out on marvel.com. But there's more. There's so much more this week. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. There's a brand new trailer for Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder that just released this past week, and it was a humdinger. Open it up with Korg telling stories. Yeah. I just love it so much. I love it so much. I really love this because, you know, in that interview that was in, I believe, Empire Magazine with Taika Waititi, you know, he was talking a bit about the rom-com elements of the film. And I think we get to see a lot more of that in this trailer. We get to see more of the Thor and Mighty Thor element. Ooh. We got our first real look at gore and Christian Bale as gore, which was super exciting. And hearing him. And I was like, ooh, I love this. And we got a beautiful new poster Biceps for days, gore hanging out in the corner. Also, Russell Crowe showing up, being amazing. (gasps) And there's just so many moments. If you have not watched it, please go watch the Marvel Studios Thor Love and Thunder trailer on Marvel's YouTube right now. I'm very excited for the film. I can't wait to see it. It's so soon. But something even sooner, Marvel Studios Ms. Marvel, we were just talking about it. And now there are a couple of new featurettes going around. You should definitely check out. And one of them has our own Sana Amanith, who is just the greatest. She, of course, was a woman of Marvel, one of the originals, former editor, former VP here at Marvel Entertainment, now an EP or executive producer on the series. Also, my personal friend. So just (laughs) really excited to see my friends excelling and doing well in their lives. It makes me very happy. Yeah. 
I wanted to point out, Lorraine, because, mm-hmm. of course, the original series, you can start watching it on Disney Plus starting June 8th. But on June 1st on Disney Plus, there's going to be something called A Fan's Guide to Ms. Marvel, which is a cool documentary short that, according to the text about it, gives an exclusive look behind the groundbreaking original series and looking from its comic book origins to its development and production as Marvel Studios' next hit series on Disney+. Plus. It features interviews with award-winning filmmaking team and the show's captivating star, newcomer Iman Falani. So that's like one week before it launches, you get a little bit of a taste, a little bit of a teaser. So Disney Plus popping off all the time. Yeah. Go over to Marvel.com or the Marvel YouTube channel. Get hyped. Watch all of the featurettes. Look at all the posters. Get ready to uh, watch the heck out of it. I can't wait. I know. Also excited for everybody to check out some behind-the-scenes stuff for Marvel Studios' Moon Knight because we've got VFX featurettes. We've got visual development featurettes. We've got an episode of Marvel Studios Assembled. Yeah, I got to talk with Sean Faden, who's the VFX supervisor for the series. You can now watch a video where it talks about how they were able to do all that mirror magic where Oscar Isaac is able to talk to himself as Steven and Mark Spector which is really, really cool. You can check it out on the Marvel Social channel. But Ryan, you also got to do some cool stuff. Yeah, I had two behind-the-scenes videos all focused on the visual development of the series. So I was talking about the way the show looks in different ways and the concept art and stuff. So I talked to Ryan Minerding, who's head of visual development for Marvel Studios, and Rodney Fuentebella, who is the visual development supervisor for Marvel Studios Moon Knight. And so the two of them, they helped us like walk through videos about Moon Knight's costumes and looks. So Mr. Knight and the Moon Knight hero costume and seeing the different iterations and stuff like that. That is super cool. And the other one is looking at the development of the gods in the show. So if you are curious about how these characters looked and and how they developed them, these are going to be super cool to check them out. You can watch those also on Marvel social channels and YouTube. And of course, you should check out even more about the series in Marvel Studios Assembled Moon Knight, which you can watch right now on Disney Plus, their wonderful docuseries chronicling how they bring all of those amazing effects and bring the show at large to life. So definitely go check those out right now on Disney Plus. So much good stuff on Disney Plus right now. I know, but also... If you want more cool behind-the-scenes stuff and you want it on Marvel's YouTube channel, what can you watch, Lorraine? Well, speaking of the YouTube, you and I worked on a You Don't Know Secret Invasion. You wrote it up. Me and the Marvel team did some behind-the-scenes magic, and now you can go watch it. It's breaking down the whole backstory of Secret Invasion and the whole comic series. I know folks are excited about Secret Invasion in general, so Mm -hmm. definitely go check it out. Watch it up. It's a real fun one. You had to rein me in and you did a great job. This should have been 45 minutes long. And if it's... it was me like <laughs> screaming at a camera, I could have done that too. It was, it was a lot of fun to put this together. I My job was to hold the red pin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so. All right. Let's get off of some video stuff right now, because over in the real world, Lorraine, what's going on? Well, Avengers Campus is set to debut on July 20th at Disneyland Paris. It's really awesome. There's a great video that you can watch over on the Marvel Social. There are going to be attractions, including Spider-Man, Web Adventures, and a brand new attraction, the Avengers Assemble Flight Force Coaster, which is going to feature... Captain Marvel. And in fact, in that video, you can see an appearance from Tom Holland and Brie Larson talking a little bit about their attractions and, you know, hyping the crowd because it's going to be very, very exciting to have Avengers Campus extend across the pond. It's cool to see Brie Larson reprising a role for this. Also, the Iron Man stuff that they showed off and like, If you watch the video, you'll see some really neat Iron Man stuff. There's some concept art and various different things. I saw a Hulkbuster in there. They're doing it upright. I'm excited. Yeah. And I noticed that some of the Marvel heroes, it looks like, are going to be coming. So enjoy. I'm excited for everybody over there in France. Speaking of parks and cool Marvel things you can do, you got to get your butt over to Florida. If you get your tuckus over to World Discovery at Epcot at the Walt Disney World Resort, then you can experience Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind because it is open. Has anyone gone? 
Did you enjoy it? Do you love it? I've seen a lot of reactions, heard from some of our coworkers who have gone. This is, of course, as we talked about a couple of times over the last couple of months, it's the first ever reverse launch on a Disney coaster, one of the largest fully enclosed coasters in the world. It rotates 360 degrees so you can focus on the action. It's got a whole bunch of different things, so you want to ride it multiple, multiple times. Oh, I want to see it now. Soon. Soon. We hope soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, soon, uh, because... I'm hopeful. Looks like we might be getting the vaccines for children under five. So that way I could just put Catherine in a large crowds of people and it was going to be great. We can't wait. Also can't wait for Puck to come to Marvel Puzzle Quest, a wonderful game that you can play on your mobile device. And now Puck, your favorite little Canadian adventurer with interesting facial hair. And just an attitude all his own, of course, part of both Gamma Flight and Alpha Flight. Just a treasure. So definitely go play Marvel Puzzle Quest and get yourself some Puck. Yes. If you are not familiar with Puck, there's a great comic that came out a couple of years ago called Alpha Flight True North. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It featured a couple of stories by great creators, but there's a Puck story written by Jed McKay that was one of those stories that was like, oh, I want a full series focused on Puck by Jed and other creators. It like dove into his history and gave you like a sense of his big adventuring and everything he's been through. It's a lot of fun. Go read that on Marvel Unlimited. If you want to know a little bit more about Puck, it's a great, great book. Oh, but speaking of games, Marvel Snap, if you haven't gone and signed up for the beta, go over to the Marvel Snap website and, you know, get on the list. It's going to be launching later this year, but Ryan and I have been playing the playtest. Lorraine, I'm obsessed. It's so addictive, isn't it? I like I lost a literal two hours to it yesterday yes. where I was just like, one more game, one more game, one more game, one more. I was feeding the cats this morning. I was like, oh, I could do a game while they're eating. They're going yum, 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 eating. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I could play a game. It's it's intense. It's really fun. I'm so glad because the first day that we got access to the play test, I sat down and I was like, well, I just want to see what this is about. And I looked up and I was like, oh, no, two hours has gone yeah. by. I got to get to work. Yeah. So So um, I'm really excited for folks to get a chance to play it. All right. Bear Walker Industries partners with Marvel Unlimited Edition Skateboard Collection. So Bear Walker Industries is an internationally renowned skateboard design and manufacturing company. They specialize in custom handcrafted and carved wood skateboards inspired by art and pop culture. So they're releasing a limited edition series one of Marvel skateboards. This collection is going to be coming real soon. You can go to bearwalker.com slash pages slash Marvel for the collection. But what are some of those designs? We've got Iron Man doing his repulsor blast and he's got like kind of graphic blast behind him we've got a big beefy hulk like we love black panther and wolverine and they've got kind of like a classic comic super saturated look which is really really cool these are super fun if you're looking for a new deck go get it yeah the hulk pose i love because it looks like if you've ever seen a super big swole dude like a westler or a bodybuilder and they stand in a certain way and then they pop their pecs so they're yeah, he's they're, got the sinewy pecs yeah and they just go bump 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 and their chest bumps that's what it looks like hulk's doing in that skateboard and you can't tell me anything different but also there's some more cool stuff out in the world to merch it up Marvel and Funko have a new collaboration headed to Target. So the last Monday of each month, Marvel Studios Selects is going to drop new exclusive collectibles in a variety of forms featuring a plethora of heroes and villains. So you should check in each month to see what Marvel Studios Selects are going to be revealed for that month. And mark your calendar because May 30th is going to be the next reveal coming soon. So please go check it out. It's going to be super cool. I know people love to go to wherever the exclusive Funkos are dropped. It's fun. We'll give a roundup next week of what these Marvel Studios selects were and then uh, keep you posted every month going forward. Let's give some flowers to some people who got award nominations. We're talking about the Eisner Awards. If you don't know what the Eisner Awards are, these are the yearly awards given out to comic book creators and publishers and people in the industry. This is the highest level of awards for comics, and it's very exciting. Marvel has a bunch of nominations and nominees this year, which is always exciting to see. Who's up first? Well, first up, we have something you know near and dear to us. We have Best Single Issue. It's a one-shot. 
that was nominated, which is Marvel's Voices Identity Number 1, edited by Darren Chan. And of course, shout out to Angelique Rocher, who is a big part of the Marvel's Voices brands and is a consulting editor on the book. And I know she you know, does a ton of work on Marvel's Voices comics as well as the podcast series. So shout out to them. We have Best Continuing Series for Immortal Hulk, Best Limited Series, Beta Ray Bill. Lorraine, have you read this Beta Ray Bill Arjun Star book? I have read some of it and it rules. This is a book by Daniel Warren Johnson. It is one of my favorite books we put out in the last five years. If anybody needed another recommendation to read this Beta Ray Bill series, do it now. It's an Eisner Award nominee. You gotta read it. We have Best Publication for Teens, 13 to 17, Strange Academy by Scotty Young and Umberto Ramos. Of course, just like, what a delightful book. Then we have Best Archival Collection slash Project for Comic Books. And that's Marvel Comics Library Spider-Man Volume 1, the Toshin book. You know that huge, epic, large Spider-Man book? I think Ryan and I both have it. It is the size of my actual torso. It's epic and beautiful, and I'm so glad it's getting some love. Who else we got, Ryan? Yeah, for Best Writer, Ram V, nominated for a bunch of different projects that he's done, including for us, he's on Carnage, Black, White, and Blood, and Venom. For Best Writer Artist, again, Daniel Warren Johnson, dude behind Beta Ray Bill, he is nominated there. Nominated for Best Penciler slash Inker is Isad Rabik for Eternals, which has been so gorgeous. Best Cover Artist, we shared some nominations because Jen Bartel, she's done a ton of great cover work over the last year, but her Women's History Month variant covers for Marvel really shine here. The fashion of those covers, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the one which is She-Hulk wearing that white suit, but all of them like looking so boss and like in fabulous fashions, all these ladies. Oh, so good. Terrific. Also, Alex Ross nominated for Best Cover Artist for just so much amazing work he's done for us over the last year. Black Panther, Captain America, Captain America, Iron Man, Immortal Hulk, Iron Man, the United States of Captain America and the Marvels. So much stuff. He has been prolific and he's one of the greatest of all time. It's well-deserved. I would say Alex Ross is the Alex Ross of being Alex <laughs> Ross. You know what I mean? Accurate. Accurate. <laughs> Best coloring, Matthew Wilson, who is already an Eisner Award winner, but he gets more praise here for Eternals, Thor, and Wolverine. Best lettering, Clayton Cowles, who is just so incredibly prolific for us with Daredevil, Eternals, King of Black, Strange Academy, Venom, X-Men, X-Men, just so much work. What else? Well, we also have Best Comics-Related Book, which is all of the Marvels by Douglas Wolk. Not Marvel official, but he did read all of the Marvel comics. We did an interview in December with him, which was really cool and really interesting. So go check that out. We also have Best Publication Design for the Marvel Comics Library, Spider-Man from Toshin, that same huge epic book that's the size Mm -hmm. of my torso, as well as the best digital comic, It's Jeff by Kelly Thompson and Gear Hero. I mean... I mean, come on. All those are amazing. Congratulations to everyone who's been nominated for an Eisner Award. The Eisner Award winners will be announced during Comic-Con International San Diego this July. It's very exciting. So we look forward to that. We'll give you the details come July. Yeah. Oh, Lorraine, you know, everybody's excited about their Star Wars right now. And if you want, dear listeners, you can get a first look at Star Wars, The Mandalorian, number one. We've got eight covers and some interior artwork for the comic, which is on sale July 6th. You can go check it out at Marvel.com. The series is written by Rodney Barnes and art by George Ginti. So this series is an eight-issue adaptation of the Disney Plus series first season. It gives us a chance to relive the events and the characters of season one. So go check out the first issue preview right now on the site. And if you are also excited because the new Star Wars limited series Obi-Wan Kenobi kicks off today, if you're listening to this when we release it on Friday or just this week. It's now available to watch on Disney+. Plus. There's also a Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi comic that's out right now you can read. The first issue came out May 4th. May the 4th? Mm-hmm. You know the Star Wars day? Yes. And uh, there are some great Star Wars comics that focused on Obi-Wan Kenobi from a bunch of years ago. You can find that collected as Star Wars from the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi written by Jason Aaron who is just, just a favorite of ours mm-hmm. and those are really, really good. Also, keeping with the Star Wars theme, there are going to be some awesome Marvel Comics Pride Month variant covers on the Star Wars titles, which I'm 
thrilled about. Mm-hmm. They're going to be across a whole bunch of titles. Bounty Hunters number 24, Obi-Wan Kenobi number 2, Darth Vader 24, Star Wars The Mandalorian number 1 is going to have a Pride variant, Star Wars 25, Han Solo and Chewbacca number 4, Star Wars Dr. Aphra 22, and there's a bevy of wonderful talent drawing these. Javier Garone, Kizama, Jan Bazaldua. There, there's a a bunch of great folks working on these. So definitely go check them out. I love particularly the Dr. Afro one is really cool. So look out for those coming the 16th of June through the end of July. There's going to be a ton of them. Heck yeah. Shift gears a little bit because we have a new comic book series for Aliens starting in August. It's written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Julia Sota and cover by Bjorn Behrens, which looks gorgeous. This new Alien number one is a perfect entry point for newcomers, but also great if you're a longtime fan. It's got revelations, fresh insight into the Alien mythos. The new chapter really explores the hard-hitting themes that we saw in the first series mm-hmm. as a new cast of characters go deep into xenomorph territory for a chance to combat human extinction. I've been reading all these alien books. I think Philip Kennedy Johnson as a writer does a great job of like building tension, pulling it back down, and then ramping it up and the horror of it all and just big emotional moments. The last issue of Alien that came out might be this week just has some banger moments in it. It is it's a really cool comic. Yeah, read it, read it, read it. To completely change gears, there is a really, really great compilation over on Marvel.com by Robin Belt of some impactful George Perez pages. Obviously, we lost George Perez recently and was just such an icon in the industry and so much incredible work through Marvel Comics in the world. So definitely go check out more if you want to learn more about George Perez, read some of his comics, check out some of his work. A true talent. Yeah. Lorraine, when I was on vacation recently, it was a road trip. So on the way down to Pennsylvania, we binged the Marvel Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show series, and it was so good. I'm so glad to have the Ryan Pinago seal of approval. Brain drain, just a friggin' treasure. I love him. The moment where Vulture and Scorpion call... It, from they, they call into the radio show, I cracked up. It was so good. When we were talking with Ryan North about it a month or two ago and how now these characters, this is how they sound in his head. And he's the one who was writing these characters for so long. <laughs> it's like, yes, 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 yes. Now this is who I will hear. I'm so glad. Everyone, please go check out the podcast. And by the way, you can now listen to the whole season. All six episodes are out. You can find out who the big bad is in the end. Go and check it out. And if you haven't heard us just like raving about it and me talking about it every second of every day yet, let's hear this trailer one more time. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Doreen Green, aka the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and so far, nothing is going according to plan. You're the best, Nancy. So this is going to be a call-in show, and everyone's going to call in with their problems, and I'm going to help them out, and we're all going to feel great. (laughs) Hello, caller. Yeah, this is the homework cheating helpline. Oh, nuts. Yes, hello, this is the vulture. Tell her she'll rule the day she meddled in our affair. The scorpion wants you to know that you'll rue the day you meddled in our affairs. Caller, if you're not a supervillain, we're here to help. And if you are a supervillain, then please stop being that. That was weird, but honestly, not unusually weird for New York. Line two, friends. I want all of New York to hear what I have to say. You, uh, you are definitely calling into the wrong show, then. If you don't do exactly what I want, I'm going to steal Van Gogh's Starry Night. Wait, uh, what? Also, do you mind just, um, turning that music down? We repeat, Van Gogh's Starry Night has been stolen from the... I am actually uh, beginning to realize that putting Unbeatable in there may have been... A little optimistic. Marvel Entertainment and SiriusXM present Marvel Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show. 
starring Milana Vintrube as Squirrel Girl. Hear it now everywhere. Unlock early access to episodes and bonus content by subscribing to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts or get early access to episodes on the SXM app. Learn more at SiriusXM.com slash Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl, Squirrel Girl, helping everyone you know. With your squirrel friend, Tippy Toe. Don't do crime to your radio. To the Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show. Took the words right out of my mouth, Tips. So great. We love it. Hope you have checked it all out. Subscribe to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts for exclusive bonus content. Of course, you can learn more at marvel.com slash squirrel girl podcast. Also coming out this week, the Women of Marvel podcast episode five is out now. And it is about who? Squirrel girl. And it's featuring who? Me. (laughs) I'm on the podcast talking about my favorite squirrel girl. It also includes interviews with Giovanna Sardelli, our fearless director, who is just so phenomenal, as well as Milana Weintraub, who plays Squirrel Girl in the series and has played Squirrel Girl in many other iterations, plus playwright Karen Zacharias, who worked on the Marvel Spotlight plays we did a few years ago and wrote one Mm. about Squirrel Girl. So a real Squirrel Girl buffet. The episodes come out every Thursday on SiriusXM, Marvel Podcast Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. So go listen to the Women of Marvel. It's such a fun series and such a fun show. And I had such a blast being on. They were like, hey, Lorraine, do you want to do your dream thing, which is just to wax poetic about how much you love Squirrel Girl? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Let's do that. Good plan. Plan. One more podcast to plug this week. It is Marvel's Pull List. This week on the show, Jasmine Estrada and I talk to artist Torin Clark, who does a whole bunch of cover work for us. Really interesting conversation because Torin has like an issue with his eyes and he has some trouble seeing and working through that and being a really successful cover artist is, is great. And Torin was wonderful to chat with. We also had writer Jerry Duggan on the show because for the Reading Club, we were talking about Uncanny X-Men 190 and 191, which is a story in which Conan villain Kulin Goth basically murders the Marvel Universe, and it is a classic. It inspired Jerry Duggan so much that he basically built his whole Savage Avengers series around it, which is one of my favorite comics of all time. It was really influential to Torin as well, so that chat was so, so good. Get into that, and our picks for this week, our favorite comics for everybody to check out are Avengers number 56, which is a really cool Jane Foster-focused issue. So if you're all Jane-hyped right yeah, now, yeah, this yeah. is one to check out. Captain Carter number three and Legion of X number one. Some great books. You can go check out Marvel's Pull List wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. All of that news is a lot, and it's good, and it's wonderful. But you know what's better? Our interviews. Squeal! Yeah. I'm so excited for this, of course. I am talking about none other than Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness's own director, Sam Raimi, is up first. Our pal Christine Din over in the editorial did a nice chat with Sam on our behalf, and we would love to share it with y'all right now. Oh, and before we even get into these interviews, these could be a little spoiler heavy, so be warned before you get into the Multiverse of Madness with us. Spoilers ahead. Your spoilers ahead, matey. So what was it like tackling a film with a daunting task that it's essentially three sequels, a direct sequel for three different Marvel properties, Doctor Strange, No Way Home, and WandaVision? Like, how did you make sure everything felt balanced? Well, you're exactly right. We were following all of those films, and it's a great Marvel comic book tradition to have a story with Doctor Strange and Wanda and another character, and then have a Marvel team up where the individual threads come together into a a much bigger issue. And by issue, I mean a comic book issue. And that's what happens here. Marvel tells so many stories simultaneously. This is one of those junctures where they all come together. It was very exciting because I really liked what Elizabeth had done with Wanda and the Scarlet Witch, and I loved what Benedict Cumberbatch had done with Doctor Strange. So To see them come together on the screen was really cool. These are fully formed characters that existed over many, many years now, and they bring their own dynamics. So the clash and the meeting between them is a lot of fun to watch on screen. Totally. And then I was reading your extended interview with Rolling Stone, and you were talking about, you know, like how your friendships with like Bruce and Scott and Tim, as well as the Coens, really helped you believe that anything is possible within filmmaking. 
is that what drew you to make a superhero story again 20 years after your last one? Because, you know, like these characters are people who realize it took them a while to get to know their inner talents and then finding a team that believes in them, you know, especially which we see in like America and Strange, even Xavier and Wanda, for instance. You're right. I've had mentors as I started out my film career. There was a guy by the name of Vern Nobles. He had a commercial company in Detroit and he would teach myself and Bruce Campbell how sync sound work and how film work and cameras and how a production would work and what it means to be dutiful as a production assistant and what responsibility on the set is and how safety came first. We learned a lot from him. And just like that mentor that I had, you're right, in Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, America Chavez, this loner, this poor girl who's on the run through the multiverse, kind of a fugitive, meets Doctor Strange. And at first they don't get along, but eventually he does become a mentor to her and has a powerful influence on her and sets her on her way toward becoming a young superhero. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of the themes that really tie your filmography together is the one about trauma and how trauma can fundamentally change the course of a person's life. We do see that source of America's trauma. And then, you know, like you're continuing on Wanda's trauma from what happens in WandaVision and also Strange's him realizing he is a threat in other universes. How do you actually tackle three huge traumatic stories with the whole like multiverse at your disposal? You're right. All the characters in Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange, America Chavez, and Wanda have trauma in their background. Doctor Strange, in the comic books at least, lost his sister on an accident on a frozen lake, and he was powerless to save her. And he's had to live with that. I think it's why he became a surgeon, trying desperately to save people where he couldn't as a boy. Wanda obviously lost vision in the Avengers movies, and she's suffering currently as our picture begins from that loss. She's looking for love, not too wisely, but too well, as they say. And America Chavez also suffers the trauma, the loss of her mothers, and she created it due to a portal that she created, the star portal, and they were swept away into the thing, never to be seen again. Maybe they're out there somewhere, and maybe she'll find them one day. But she currently suffers from that loss, feeling tremendous guilt. All of these things have worked to forge these heroes and help make them who they are today. Thank you so much, and I can't wait for everyone to see the film. Thank you so much. Big, big, huge thanks to Sam Raimi for chatting with us. And big thanks to Christine for doing the interview for us. And you know what? Lorraine and I were like, we have to get in on the action because we got to talk with Marvel Studios, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness composer, Danny Elfman. Whew, whew, whew. Yeah. That was great. Meet your heroes. Sometimes it rules. And he has so much cool insight on the film and creating music for films. So enjoy. Danny, hello. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is absolutely our pleasure. We were so excited that we were going to get to speak with you today. What is your Marvel origin story? What was the first way that you encountered the Marvel Universe and stories and characters? Well, my earliest memories go back to being a kid, getting dropped off by my school bus. And we had a magazine stand. You know, those are the days when you still have big magazine stands. And there was a rack, the comic book rack. And I would just spin through it and I'd be looking for the new Spidey or the new Fantastic Four. At a certain point, I remember the Silver Surfer and, you know, there were others. And just like that kind of special, oh boy, the new issue, it's out. And snapping it up and taking it home. But it started with Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. Why those in particular? I mean, I think it was just the moment. Those were really prominent characters. I mean... My first crush that I remember was actually on Sue of the Fantastic Four, you know? So it was like at that age, you know, so I was actually getting a crush on comic book characters. It's like, really? But what can I say? I was a kid. You won't be the first or the last. Now you've written obviously so many film scores that have shaped our lives. And what does it look like when you start a process of working on a film as big as Marvel Studios, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? And what kind of instruments and tools and where do you start? 
Well, you know, I really start with the characters. It's like you want to like figure out your characters. It all starts with that. And especially a film like this, because Sam Raimi will give me the same instructions now as he did on Dark Man in the late 80s, which is like, bring me the heart, bring me the heart. That's always what he's got to say. And so there was a certain amount of like research, just making sure I understood who everybody was in relationship. You know, the Marvel multiverse gets a little complicated. Fortunately, I'd seen WandaVision and I was understanding that through line, but it was just kind of watching and understanding what I was going to be asked to do. And I, I understood early on that I'd be wanting to write a theme for Strange that also could be Christine's, I don't know how to describe it, like the lost love theme, the love that never happened, the kind of bittersweet theme. And that my primary job was going to be creating something for a very, very unique villain. Because, you know, when you think of a villain, you think of Thanos, you think of Darth Vader, and you think, of, okay, it's going to be a heavy theme or a heavy character that wants to maybe even destroy the universe or possess it or, you know, own it. And here the antagonist is a woman who wants to reunite with her imaginary children. And I said, oh my God, that's so heartbreaking. And that's so unique. You know, she's our villain and I love her and she breaks my heart. And I want to express that in the music, that I want to find her a theme that can be menacing, but also that expresses innocence and is childlike, almost like a nursery rhyme that could really express how deep her desire is to reconnect with these children that aren't even real children. Of course, she has the best line ever in the movie. Strange says, Wanda, those aren't your children. You made them with magic. And she goes, every mother does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that line. It's so perfect. I love that. You mentioned you know working with Sam Raimi now for quite a long time. Can you talk a little bit about that collaboration, how you actually first got connected together to start working together, and then what that process is like as you guys are making the film together? You know, he's like the nicest guy in the world. And working with him, fortunately, because this was a technically a very difficult production. It was long. There were stops and starts. And the pandemic just made everything way more complicated. The shooting, the scoring, the interfacing. Fortunately, it was just a real fun place with a really fun director. So if you're going to be on a show months and months longer than you're used to, it's like you want to be with a good group of people that you really enjoy. And I count my lucky stars. That was the case here. I love the film. I love working with Sam. So the fact that all these extra months got added on, rather than it being like, oh my God. And here it was like, that's great. Let's just do more. Let's just do more. I'm happy in this world. And um, I was actually almost sorry when it was over. It's really such a, a fun and fabulous collaboration. And I just love, you know, there's so many different creative uses of music, I feel like, throughout the film. You know, there's the scene where Wanda's chasing our heroes through the tunnels, and it's it's so stressful, and it's intense, and it's amazing. All the elements there really do a wonderful job of capturing how they're feeling and how we're feeling with them. You mentioned talking about characters and thinking about the music for the characters, but how much of it of your work are you also thinking about these particular moments and, and working around these kinds of moments? Well, I mean, there's kind of two challenges on a film like this. One is thematically working out these themes and making sure that they'll do the different things that I need them to do. You know, that a same theme could be scary and menacing and childlike and, and do these different elements. The other is like, okay, there's these action scenes that are just technically very detailed and you really want to follow it. And unfortunately I've been in that world, you know, more than a few times. So I knew that was going to be a fun scene going into it. And it was, you know, but it's always arduous, you know, doing that kind of scoring is very demanding. All action music is, but it was fun. I really enjoyed it. You know, and I love with the pure rainy moment is when it goes down to silence and the music comes out and everybody's listening and it's a trip. You only hear like a few drips of water and you're just waiting. It's like, you know, she's going to appear somewhere, but you don't know where. It's like pure Sam. It's very jazz. The notes you don't hear, right? In, yeah, in the silences. You know, I have to ask my favorite music nerd question, which is obviously in scoring, you know, there's the classic Star Wars major fifth. There's those intervals that are really iconic to a character or a theme. 
Do you have an interval that's meaningful to you in this score? I don't. I really, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think that way. You know, I'm just kind of improvising and finding something. And I go, I don't know why this kind of works for me for this character. And then I'll try putting it through the laboratory, which is if I take this theme, can I make it heroic? Can I make it really big? Can I make it pensive? Can I make it all these different things? Can I make it romantic? And once I'm satisfied that, yeah, I could take it in these different directions, then the pieces of this giant jigsaw puzzle start to come together. Because that's what that's what it is for me, especially a giant Marvel movie like this. It's a huge jigsaw puzzle. And you want to get the main pieces placed in order so you can see enough of it that you know, okay, I understand what the puzzle is. Now I've got to fill in all the things around it, but I understand where the heart of the matter goes, as Sam would say. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. You mentioned, obviously, this is a big Marvel production. You talked about the MCU and, and watching some of the previous stuff. Is any part of your process different or changed by being part of the MCU coming into the saga where characters have on-screen history, where there's so much established from thematically and, and feeling as you're, you're coming into this production? Well, I knew that there would be musical Easter eggs, but I like that. I mean, that's always fun for me. I get to do that every now and again. And so, for example, I knew going in that there'd be some moments I'd look forward to put Michael Giacchino's original Doctor Strange theme. I knew going in that there'd be a moment, even though Wanda's got new themes where we wanted to do WandaVision. I knew there'd be a moment for Captain America's, and I knew there'd be a moment for a certain character who I won't mention yet, even though the movie's out, for real nerds who really know like the old stuff, that there's different levels of like, okay, almost anybody's going to recognize WandaVision, but who will recognize this one, this little moment here? And that's something that's very Marvel. And I like that because it's fun. And I like the fun of doing something that fans are going to go, oh, there's that thing. And it's going to give them pleasure too. So it's kind of a win-win situation. I thought it was very ironic and crazy that almost at the same time, simultaneously, Michael Giacchino was using my original Spider-Man theme in Spider-Man, and I was using his original Doctor Strange theme in Doctor Strange. And that's crazy multiversing. <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect way to put it. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with us. And of course, everyone go see Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness right now. Thank you. Big thanks again to Danny Elfman for chatting with us on the show. If anybody out there has never listened to his pre-film work band, Oingo Boingo, go do it right now. It's awesome. So good. But next week, we're going to have on Patton Oswalt and Meredith Salinger from the podcast, Did You Get My Text?, which is so delightful. A great listen. We'll talk about it a lot more next week. But in the spirit of that, I think we should ask... You know, Patton Oswalt loves a weird deep cut character. Obviously, he was on Marvel's MODOK. He's currently playing Pip in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I think we should ask, what is your favorite weird deep cut character from the Marvel Universe? Ooh. Whoa. 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 Man, there's so many. I mean, of course, I'm going to go to Pace Pot Pete. There's a great Pace, Pace Pot, Pot Pete, Pete joke in the yes. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl radio show, which was a lot of fun. Lorraine, who, who's at top of your mind? Well, I always go back to like Ruby Thursday. For I was some thinking reason. the headmen as well. Yeah, the headmen are just so funny because they're like, what if we had weird heads? And that's our deal. She's just like a sexy lady body with a circle head, like yep. a red yep. globe on mm -hmm. her head. Love it. She's amazing. I recently came across Combo's Man, who is, in fact, one of our branded characters. And <laughs> he's, he, he somehow, I think, got mixed with like Combo's and Marvel Comics and became a superhero. I love him. Yes. When you said that, the visions of the advertisements for Combo oh, Man haunting. crossed my brain because I've seen them so many times. That's like 1991-ish, where yeah. it was the ad was in like every Marvel comic. And yeah, he's his just knees a... are Johnny Storm's knees and they're made of fire. Yep. He's a... <laughs> he has different body parts from different heroes. It's I love it. He's a combo of all the different characters. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's wonderful. One that's fun that doesn't get enough play is Red Ghost and the, his super apes, because it's just such a random old school 1960s Marvel character. It's a bald dude who commands a couple of super powered apes. It's fantastic for villain. 
It's such a weird character. I'm excited to hear everybody's responses. So you can tweet your answers using hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel, email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com, or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. As always, please make sure to tell us it is okay to read on the show because I want to hear all your weird character picks. Of course, last week, in the spirit of this week's interviews, we asked, what were your favorite Sam Raimi or Danny Elfman-style moments in Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? And you guys delivered some great answers, so let's get into it. Oh, also, this is a really great time to say, spoilers might happen in here, so if you haven't watched the film, you you should know better by now. Yeah, we we warned you last week, too. Selena at Not End a Dream said definitely all the camera angles more specifically the scarlet witch's dark hold scenes mm. super cool they have not left my mind still that's quite literally the reason i want to watch marvel studios doctor strange in the multiverse of madness over and over again eliza ian at mandela says dream walking wanda chasing steven christine and america in the illuminati's underground tunnels reminds me a lot of classic horror movie chase scenes that i love so much Yeah, and the combo of the direction and Mm -hmm. the, you know, actual music is just chef's kiss. Next up, we've got one that says, Possession of the Dead is classic, Raimi. Oh, I mean, Mm -hmm. big spoilers here, but like, it was giving me Evil Dead, like so much Evil Dead, and I loved it. Truly, truly. Adil at Cyberpunk says, Strange dreamwalking into his variant's corpse and him using the souls of the damned as his cloak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next up, we got Tijan Shriva Stava at Being Tijan, which says, when Wanda walks toward the kitchen and sees weird things happening on the desk, there's that one moment where she sees her head moving in the photo frame. And that was such a vintage Sam Raimi horror moment. Loved it. Jeff C. at Jeff Cockwill says, Scarlet Witch climbing through the mirror straight out of a horror film was terrifyingly superb. I think that was your pick, Lorraine. <sighs> Yeah. Or one of your picks. That is definitely one of my picks. I just thought it was so creative to like have her coming through the pools of water oh, and the mirror and so oh, great. so cool. All right. Next up, we got Kay Ellis at Unfazed Kay, who says, Wanda finding her way out of the mirror dimension low key scared the life out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Relatable. Yeah. Morgs at My Own Checks says, When Wanda successfully dreamwalked into her variant and looked straight at the camera. Yeah. <gasps> Next up, we've got Hayden at Hayden the Geek 77 who says the dreamwalking scene with Wanda crossfading with the exchange between Strange, Chavez, and Mordo was so beautiful. And Elfman's A Cup of Tea score is fantastic, fully encompassed the witchy and out-of-body experience that Raimi also created on screen. Oh, I love this comment. Well said, Hayden. Jared Kirschenbaum at Jared Kirsch underscore says, Mordo explaining dreamwalking to Strange in America while no less than four crossfades were happening on screen and the score <laughs> changing to this awesome rock guitar was absolutely bonkers and peak. Ramey and Elfman. All right, we've got Paradox at Be Here Paradox, who says two little things. The way the camera whips around to Christine in the wedding. Oh, also excellent. And the shot reverse shot as America rises from the altar in the finale stick in my mind as distinctly Raimi despite being little moments. Oh. Also, I think it's out in the world by now, but if you did not catch the writer's cameo in the film, go back <laughs> to the theater and watch it yeah. during the wedding scene when everyone rushes out onto the balcony to see America Chavez is fighting the monster Gargantos down on the city streets and Strange goes to help and all the wedding guests rush out onto the balcony. If you see a gentleman with a mustache, that is the writer of the film, Michael Waldron. You're welcome. Enjoy that. (laughs) Very cool. We got a Facebook message from Damon Bozer who says, My favorite moment from Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was every time that Wong took a moment to remind Strange that he is now the Supreme One and has access to things he doesn't, takes the job seriously, but also isn't afraid to have fun. We got an email from Hendrik Hansen, which says, Dear Lorraine and Ryan, good morning. Your podcast, along with coffee and a bagel, was a wonderful start to my day. I was very excited to hear that Armando Iannucci is going to be contributing to Amazing Fantasy number 1000 before creating Veep. He had an excellent BBC political comedy called The Thick of It. In this show, Peter Capaldi, the 12th Doctor Who, played a political operative who would spew out artistically crafted foul language faster than he could spit it. I can't wait to see Armando 
Mando's version of J. Jonah Jameson. And Marvel Studios' She-Hulk attorney at law looks amazing. Can't wait. But I digress. My favorite Sam Raimi moment in Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was a callback to the Stone Cold classic Drag Me to Hell. Spoiler alert for this 2009 film. In the closing minute, everything is rosy. The danger is past. There's a touching romantic moment. Then, just before the credits roll, there is a kick in the teeth, and our heroine, Allison Lohman, is horrifically dragged to hell. And in Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, it was as he was calmly walking down the street in the closing seconds of the movie, just before his painful, shocking, eye-opening experience. Sam Raimi, he's the master. Keep up the good work, guys. Make mine Marvel. Yeah. All right, we've got an email from our pal Jason Kim, who says, Aloha from Hawaii. Since summer is around the corner, may I recommend to the listeners some awesome things to read at the beach or the poolside? One, Savage Avengers by writer David Pipos and crew. I know the first issue just came out, but it is bombastically fun, says Jason. Number two, a few Marvel prose novels from Aconite Books. Marvel Crisis Protocol Target Cree by Stuart Moore. Marvel Crisis Protocol Shadow Avengers by Carrie Harris. And Rogue Untouched by Alyssa Quitney. And he says, warning, after reading the first chapter of Marvel Crisis Protocol Shadow Avengers, you will be craving pepperoni pizza. <laughs> Please continue to have an awesome time recording the podcast. Aloha, Jason. Thank you, Jason. That's my secret. I'm always craving pepperoni pizza. Truly the Bruce Banner of pepperoni pizza. All right. Last one here is a Facebook message from Raphael Michelangelo Perry, which reads... For Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, there's no spoilers here. The fight scene with the cameos were, quote, fantastic on how they, quote, unraveled the characters. This left me, quote, speechless and, quote, blew my mind. I, quote, marveled at the battles and this, quote, crushed any concerns I had on expectations. I was really, quote, split on which was my favorite, but next thing I know is over with a, quote, snap. Well done there, Raphael. I like how you did that. Also want to give a shout out to at the Danliest, the Danliest over on Twitter, who sent a fun little meme. Uh, so thanks for that one, Danliest. So many great moments in this movie. And of course, if you haven't yet, go see Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in theaters right now. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. That is it. That wraps us up. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. Hi, Brad. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Hi, Jill. And special thanks to the Darkhold. The Darkhold. It holds all of the darkness in the world. The Darkhold. Get yours today. It seems like it fits perfectly with the universe we're in currently. Oh, boy. Uh, we got to go. I'm Ryan. <laughs> Of Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. Arr, we be pirates now.